Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Wait, what song are you singing? That 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 Ferris Bueller's Day Off song. Oh yeah. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I was like, I know exactly. <laughs> oh wait, we're doing a podcast. Oh, oh oh my gosh, hey guys, didn't see you there. What's up, everybody? <laughs> didn't see you there. Didn't notice. I don't you. see anybody because I'm just in a room. Yeah, it's true. Uh, you're listening to the Command Zone Podcast, if you didn't know. If you're here from somewhere else, well, guess what? Cool. <laughs> this is just going wonderfully. Oh, uh, yeah. We're on the second of the question and answers. But before that, my name is Jimmy Wong. I'm your host. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Can you tell it's the third episode in a row we've recorded tonight? It's actually like the almost the fourth because we had to re-record the yeah. start of another one. Boy, we've been recording a lot. We've been doing a lot of recording. I haven't eaten yet. Uh, <laughs> We're getting a little loopy. Actually, if you guys listened to... What was the first episode? If you guys listened to the Voltron deck episode, and then the uh, the first Q&A, and then this one, that will be the order that we recorded them in. So maybe you can... Yeah, I think we're planning on knowledge. having the Voltron one actually come out after the first Q&A. Oh, before this. I don't know. We have a whole schedule. It's kind of crazy because I... When I left the country for a few weeks, and you're mm-hmm. listening to this now, and I'm not actually in the country, and we recorded it weeks ago. That's right. So that's why we were doing question and answer. So we did the first part of this last week, and this is the second half. That You guys tweeted us questions uh, at CommandCast on Twitter, and uh, these are all questions from you guys, the community. And uh, it's going to be a fun episode. It's going to be a short one. Uh, but we just wanted to make sure you guys still got your two episodes a week. All right. Let's jump right in. Let's do it. From Brooks underscore Snowman 2. Because Snowman 1 was taken. Dang, too bad. What are your views on quote-unquote broken commanders? Example, Krenko, Joira, etc. And if you see them at your table, do you target them first? Krenko, uh, we had, I had someone tweet me about Krenko being like, you didn't give him enough respect. I'm like, it's true. He is a very powerful commander. Um, yeah, I find like I do. It's really easy. If someone gives me an excuse to target them, <laughs> then I go ahead and take it? Of course I take it, because it's so easy to not draw any hate. And even the person playing the commander sometimes would be like, yeah, I know, yeah, okay, yeah, you should you should probably kill my guy first. You know, 
I'm lately I've been on this kick and I'm still on it. So I'm just going to keep on this kick, which is that we we just use this too much. It's like, oh, when I see that commander, I just target them first. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a little bit of bull because you can't target every commander first. Mm-hmm. Like there can really only be a couple because every commander game, there's going to be three or four other commanders. You can't target two of them first. Yeah. So especially if you don't have like you may not want to target them because they could be on your side without yeah. you realizing And every it. game we sit down, somebody's got Animar, somebody's got Rafik, somebody's got Perforo, somebody's got Narset. It's like, yeah. which one of those four do you target first? Correct. Yeah, so saying this, like, I always target this one first, it's it's a bunch of crap, really. Um, it's always about the player. It's always about how they start, what their board looks like. Um, you know, it, I don't care what deck, Yeah. Uh, you know, certain people sit down with. I'm probably going to be wary of some people more than others just because of the player. Yeah, and to answer your question specifically, our view on broken commanders, I think for me, it's just I will pay a lot more attention to yeah. whoever that is playing that commander and know what I should be on the lookout for and react to whether or not I need to target them based on that. Yeah, I, and, I think you're aware, like Narset, Yeah, they play Narset or they're about to. You have to be over. hyper aware because yeah. the game can end right there. Yep. So there's certain ones... But really, I, I I shy away from naming so many like Krenko. Um, yeah, Joira can fall into that Narset category. I think not as much. You uh, can kind of see Joira stuff coming. Uh, Krenko can just get out of hand, and they just makes tons of tokens. But you know, lots of decks have a lot of varying power levels. It's again, the person could just have a terrible draw, and you targeting them yeah. first does nothing. You know, yeah. it just hurts you in the long run. So I guess my views on broken commanders are like, hey, I'm fine with it. Like if it's legal, play it. I don't have any issues. Focus, yeah, focus more on what the player is doing as opposed to just the commander themselves because it's not a good representation of the person's deck if you just look at the commander because you don't know anything else about their deck. They could be building a crazy a chaos version of it, you know? And I like to look at it, too, when somebody puts down a commander, you know, that's very powerful. I like to look at it as a learning experience for me as like, oh, let's see mm-hmm. what this deck does. And so I may get tr- I may get stomped here. That's fine. Let me turn that into like, okay, it's fine if I get stomped. And if and when I do, I'm going to pay really close attention to how that happens. And then I'll keep that in mind when I'm building my deck or, or tweaking them in the future. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, take some of that um, vitriol out and and point my focus towards more like using it as a learning experience. And that can yeah. help a lot. That's a good point. All right. Next question comes from Ed Burke 37 What commander slash deck do you really want to brew but can't seem to make work? Well... Because we've gotten all these deck doctors in, yeah, we've seen this huge influx of like, you know, I built this deck and I built this deck. And one of the decks, there's two really that I've seen a lot come through. And I've really sort of started to think about it because when you see certain ones come through a lot, you're thinking people are really having trouble with this general. Uh, mm-hmm. Melek and... Oh, uh, is it Paragon? Yeah. And Send Triplicates are the two that are like, seem to be problems people can't you know they're they're having issues building yeah and i think those those two generals are are difficult to build and so it's not that i can't seem to make it work it's just that i haven't really focused my efforts to try to yet but I, i'm starting to think about like oh maybe there's a melic build you know that is right or is good because that seems to be the type of deck that's, that people have had issues with yeah. i haven't actually tried to build it yet and maybe i can't crack it either i don't know yeah i, I don't know I, i'd be interested in trying to build it but you're right like it it is very hard to play because you can't cast anything i mean you you maybe can if you're lucky but you're not in control of what everybody else is playing so 
Yeah, send triplets for those that don't know. It lets you cast other spells from other decks, basically. But other it, hands, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't give you the mana. It doesn't say you can use mana as though it was mana of any color to cast it. So you have they have to be in your colors. It's really weird. It's hard. Yeah, it's gonna be really interesting too. Maybe it's just a one of those political group hug decks where you're always like, we're gonna find out what's in their hand and maybe you know play off of that or something. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from at Shelby Trin. Uh, what is your favorite EDH deck building website and why is it edhrec.com? <laughs> is a joke question. Uh, yeah. EDH Did Rec- Donald Miner send this in? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's his, it's his uh, Smurf account. <laughs> um, EDH Rec blew up. Wedge featured it in the video and essentially shut the whole website down. Yeah, we did pretty good, times. and then yeah. Wedge went and just just said, "Yeah, who is the who are these little command zone guys?" Let's blew just, it out of the yeah. water. Yeah. Um, EDH Rec is great. Yeah, it is, it's. I mean, I use the I use the hell out of it now. Yeah, I still like, use Gatherer a lot. Yeah, I use Gatherer a lot to find certain cards. EDH Rec is great. Actually, someone noticed. Uh, actually, didn't notice. Someone said on Twitter, and it was, I thought it was a really good um, uh, way of using it. Is they saw what cards that they had in their deck that EDH Rec didn't mm-hmm. uh, recommend, and was like, "Hey, cool! This makes my deck more unique." Or also, this is like a good way to see where my deck differs specifically and whether or not I'm making the right choices with these cards. So it lets you also be proud of the cards that aren't on the list that EDH right. sends you and um, also use it as a constructive sort of brewing tool at the same time. Yeah, my brain must be like pretty weird because my decks are never like, I mean, you know, of course my Nexus yeah. deck is a Chromat deck and my Child of Lara deck is a Marchesa deck and, you know, my Riku deck is a Tim deck. Like my decks, yeah. my Zergo deck is a Don't Stop Hitting Yourself deck. Like yeah. my decks never line up they with never line EDH Rec. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, Gatherer, I just tend to use even more than EDH Rec. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, from Glancin, wait. Glance in your pants. Glance in your pants. I was like, wait, that says something. <laughs> uh, I'm glancing at my pants. I have shorts on, so that didn't work. Your episode today basically seems to say that price is why Soul Ring shouldn't be banned. Is that a fair criteria? Who is the scariest commander to sit across when you have no other information? Okay, yeah, so there's two, two questions. questions here, yeah. Uh, and our episode today was clearly our current events episode. I, I think when I said Soul Ring shouldn't be banned because of price, that wasn't like the main part. It was just a, a contributing factor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that, yes, Soul Ring is powerful. But it goes in every single deck. It's one card, and it's attainable for everybody. Yeah. So it's hard to say that it breaks the format. That's why we said Mana Crypt is a better target for being banned. Yeah, because it's just reason. it's just less attainable for every person. So if you have one, what does it mean? It means you can afford it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then the scariest commander is hit across when you have no other information. Narset. Narset. Yeah. Anything that is manipulating their deck to do instant one-turn wins. Even something like a god, like Perforos, because you have all the information you need. It's on the card. Perforos <laughs> is very scary. It's the kill-everybody type of card. Yeah, and Xenagos, too, uh, the big god that... Xenagos, at least you have instant speed removal type stuff in your mm-hmm. deck to get rid of the thing that's going to come at you with hate but you speed. you can never get rid of Xenagos. No, that's true. Well, I mean, You can, but it's just hard, yeah. But Narset, I think, takes the cake. Yeah. Um, at Proggy Boog. Oh, Eric. Yeah, has two questions. I had the same question in a, in a GP San Diego game. Exactly when do I cast that Patriarch's Bidding? Um, so so Patriarch's this, is, this bi- has to do with our sandbagging episode. Yeah, Patriarch's Bidding is a three and a black black. 
Each player chooses it's a sorcery. Each player chooses a creature type. Each player returns all creature types of a type chosen this way from his or her graveyard to the battlefield. So it's very good if you're running a tribal deck and someone is just like a good stuff deck and they're like, oh crap, I get one thing back and you get eight. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, it's a tough one because you're normally going to do it at a time and then it, it depends on how many enter the battlefield effects I think you have in there. Uh-huh. That are going to come out and what those are going to do. But also you have to be wary of what other people have in their graveyard. Because if they have something that can come in and murk some creatures or destroy some permanents. Like a, really good point. Yeah. A lot of times like you've got Grey Merchant in there. Right. And a bunch of other of that same tribe or whatever. And, and, you, and that's what you name. Um, that's a way to do it. And you're just sort of counting up. You're doing math. It's how many pips are going to come out and how much damage is that going to do. Yeah. You but, want to be able to end the game when you cast a card like this um, yeah. just because it's really high risk about what your opponents could bring back. And if they're running a tribal deck, then it's really tough. Yeah. That's, Unless you find a way to exile everyone else's graveyard or something. But sometimes you just have to fire it off and yeah. get some value because otherwise you're doing nothing or you're going to die to something else. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's a hard one to say. Don't I be think afraid. it was more rhetorical on Eric's... Uh, <laughs> Eric Landis, if listeners will recall, his son Jack, who's uh, I think eight or so now, played at the GP... Um, yeah, how well did he do? Uh, I think he was like two and four or something. He didn't do great, but Jack has gone even money at GPs before or even been oh, yeah. in a slightly winning record. And, and actually, we, I played with him. Dude, he's intimidating. He flicks cards like as fast as Brian Kibler. Oh, shoot. And it like and as smooth. It's just like flick, 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 flick. And I'm like, this little kid is like, and he's looking around the table and he makes plays. And it's like, he's magic prodigy for real. Not Vryn's prodigy, magic prodigy. <laughs> Uh, his second question, uh, what's the coolest thing you've learned from doing the podcast? Oh, this is the question he asked me when I was there. You go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I'd say the coolest thing I've maybe not learned necessarily is the right word is that I've just gotten I'm a lot better at speaking off the cuff from doing the podcast from, I don't know, how, how many episodes are we in now? 70? I'm almost like 76 I'm also really bad at speaking off the cuff. I was going to say, I too. feel like I've gotten worse. <laughs> <laughs> Um, maybe it's just I'm really good at talking a bunch of nonsense and making it sound like it's actually something. <laughs> I have gotten better at as I'm talking. Also, a part of my brain is thinking of catching, you know, it's like oh, I'm yeah, talking yeah. To, to stall so that I, while I pull this piece of information from my brain somewhere and then that'll come out. Right. Or you're like talking and typing the card name in so you can get the card. And <laughs> yeah. You're like, and this card does. Uh, so, boom, Josh, how about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's for me because it's helped out a lot when I auditioned for like hosting stuff and it, you're required to be very improv and off the cuff in a lot of situations. So it is nice. Uh, what I told Eric when he asked me this at the GP was I've just learned that the magic community is really cool. Like, yeah, how I many great people there are and just, you know, how many great content creators Jeez, there are. You're making and... me look like this crazy egotistical. No. Like, <laughs> it was all about me all along. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would totally agree with that. The community is awesome. We've gotten to meet so many great people from the sh- uh, at GP Vegas was like one of the best experiences. Oh, that ga- our, yeah, gathering our gathering at GP was- Vegas was amazing. Yeah, yeah that was awesome. Um, okay, Kyle C. Carson says, where do you two stand on the spot removal versus sweepers debate? I'm not sure what the debate is. Maybe just what's better necessarily. I mean, they're both. Everybody e- thinks sweepers better, right? Yeah. I mean, well, sweepers, you're definitely getting the max value off yeah. it. The spot removal is just better because it's instant speed. Yeah. In um, general. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's definitely true. I always want sweepers in my deck, and I always want spot removal, and probably I want a f- couple more sweepers than spot removal. It's probably like three and six. Yeah. Yeah. I think sweepers are just so good in any EDH deck because, like, 
a spot removal is one for one usually. Yep. Board sweep where you can like get twenty for one. And it'll just get you out of situations no other card can get you out yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, so you definitely need both in the deck. I think they they're not similar enough that you can really directly compare them because they both kill things and get rid of stuff. But when you would use either of them is a very different. Yeah, I can't really think of a single deck I have that doesn't want at least some of both. Yeah. And that's why things like tutors are so good because a tutor is a sweeper and a spot removal spell, or it's at least a tutor or a spot removal yeah, spell. Yeah, you can choose what you get for yeah. sure. Um, Alex C.K. Cezetto, hey Alex, how's it going, man? Asks, is it more fun for you to play a proactive deck or a reactive deck in Commander? I mean, I'm a reactive deck guy. Yeah. I think this is well known. I have some proactive, proactive decks, but in general, that's my play style. I think mine kind of... Is- is in between the two actually some of my decks uh start off as proactive and i mm-hmm. find they grow to re- be reactive some decks start as reactive and quickly realize they need to be proactive mm-hmm. so it switches around for me i think in general i'm better at being proactive because again i'm jimmy the red so <laughs> makes sense right um at core auger says what is your opinion on that one player who treats every game like a pro tour final well, you know, it's something that you, if it's really damaging a playgroup, you got to talk to them about. If not, I mean, they're playing for realsies, I guess. They're. I mean, I like that sometimes. Yeah. It might, I can see how it would be annoying if it was all the time, but we play with a variety of different people, and there's always a few slots that are coming and going, mm-hmm. um, and certain people are more serious than others. And if somebody's serious, I'm like, okay, we're being serious tonight. I can do that. Yeah. I can see how if we had to be serious every night, it might get on my nerves. But if it's once in a while, then I kind of like it. Yeah. Um, I would just really... I mean, the question that you asked, Korager, doesn't tell us much about your situation. If you have an opinion about that player and it's negatively affecting your play group as a whole, it's something you should obviously just have a casual conversation about. Um, however, if it's just affecting you and everyone else is okay with it, then maybe you should find a new play group or uh, figure out what what exactly it is being able to pinpoint why you don't like something is a great way to find finding out how to fix that thing in your life yeah everybody's everybody's different i would i would also advise you like how often is it happening you know is it just a bad reaction you had one night Mm -hmm. is it a bad reaction you're having on multiple nights you know i I think one night is something you can write off but if it's happening quite often then it's something that a conversation probably needs to be had yeah at Darth Rook asks, can LGSs have commander nights with something on the line, like a $5 buy-in, buy-in without it being uber competitive? This is tough. Um, if there's a prize on the line, people are people change entirely. You know, bragging rights is one thing, but an actual, like, from the Vault Angels is an entirely different thing because it, it costs money, you know? Yeah, and it's, and it's you can't tell somebody else how much valuable the prizes to them because five dollars is worth different to somebody who's homeless than it is to somebody who has a million dollars you know what i mean yeah so anytime you've got anything that you're winning that's substantial that's tangible you know if it's like your name on the wall even that can be worth more to different people so anytime there's something on the line it's going to change the dynamic of the competitive nature of the game yeah so absolutely so the question it's hard to answer i think and the problem with the way social dynamics work in a game like this is one person that becomes uber competitive will change the dynamic of every person playing. I agree. Yeah, they kind of raise – it sort of does that thing where everyone gets brought up to that level sometimes. Um, I don't know. LGS is you're going to find the biggest mix of players as well. Yeah. So y- y- there's a good chance you're going to run into a higher competitive level just I think general. if you're going to an LGS to play Commander and there's some sort of prize on the line – 
be prepared for it to be pretty competitive. Yeah, exactly. Unless they have certain things like there are certain LGSs that have house rules, like no going infinite or right. you know whatever. But that doesn't mean it won't be competitive. Yeah, exactly. It, It'll still be competitive. Yeah, there'll be a different mindset. They'll probably not want you to miss triggers and and things like that. No, and, as many take backsies and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly, and that's fine. Just if you know that going in, you know, going into the game. Yeah. And if you don't yeah. like that, then you know, don't go don't go be involved in that event. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, next up at the Magic Man Sam three. Hey, what's asks, up, Sam? Hey, man. He's probably jogging as he listens. to Yeah, this. there you go. Keep on jogging, dudes. If there was one thing you could add slash subtract to EDH, what would it be? What could make the game better? Four color commanders for Josh, right? Yeah, four color commanders for sure. And I would take out Iona. I'd leave Blood Moon. I don't like it, but I'd leave it. Yeah, you would leave it. Yeah, it's fine. So it's not add or subtract. It's just leave. Keep it. Keep, keep it, yeah, yeah, yeah. for keepsies. Um, How about you? If there's one thing I could add or subtract to EDH, it's a tough one. I would uh, add the more reprints. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's just magic in general, right? Yeah. I mean, I just I think the price point can be really tough because the, the power creep of certain decks getting way more powerful in the playgroup because someone has that extra $200 to spend in their deck. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that is something that actively hinders the game and can be really unhealthy if, if you know, I, I just feel like there's always going to be a situation or someone out there that stopped playing because they didn't want to keep up with the money spending. You want a controversial answer? Yeah. I would add Wizards Oversight to our format. Oh, yeah. You know what? I'm going to agree with that, actually. Yeah, I it's want... no offense to Sheldon and those guys, but every time we hear about the Rules Committee and the way they operate, it's just our commander edh has gotten too big there's thousands and thousands maybe tens of thousands maybe hundreds of thousands of people that play this format yeah you know six guys with no real data who just get together and in a casual manner decide the rules for it doesn't seem sustainable and sheldon has said things like hey if you want us to do empirical data we'll do it we just need the two million dollars okay Let's let Wizard do it. They've got that type of They've got the, capacity. Yeah, the ability to, to do it. Yeah, I, and I honestly, I, I feel like we're just one big ruling away from a bigger outcry in the community for this exact thing. Yeah, um, this isn't, you know, we haven't revisited the tuck rule mm-hmm. change, and I don't know if there's a question about it. Probably not. We've had it before. I'm just going to ask the question, Jimmy yes. and Josh. The tuck rule change, there was a big hullabaloo about it months ago. Looking back now, what do you think about it? I don't think it really changed anything. I think had the rule not existed, we'd be in the exact same spot we are right now. I don't think it hurt the format necessarily, but I don't think it benefited it either. Yeah, I think I totally agree. And I'm fine with that change now. It, it, I didn't like it at first, and I don't. I still wouldn't have changed it. Yeah. But the I fact think that that's it, the big thing is like I don't think either of us would have felt the need to change it. Right. But we don't disagree necessarily with the change. I mean, it doesn't hurt us much, right? Yeah. Like we played a lot of commander between now and then. It rarely if ever comes up. I'm fine with that um either way. So, I don't think that commander the format was hurt by it, mm-hmm. but the one big thing that came out of it for me was just eye-opening about the process, quote unquote, of the rules committee and how they make decisions. And that's what's very scary to me. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying we're just one major ruling away from sort of a mutiny, I think, against that in asking for more oversight. Um, I mean, I said this on Brainstorm Brewery. I didn't say it on our show, but we have a way as a group of players, you know, that play the game of Magic to affect Wizards of the Coast. We have a really good way. It's called our wallet. Yeah. 
and we can stop buying cards and stop consuming their product and then they're forced to take action. We do not have that sort of leverage with the rules committee. Yeah, it uh, the way that we play does not change the stuff that they decide. Because they don't benefit from us playing or not playing. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Wizards of the Coast does. And we've seen Wizards do things like they weren't going to have Modern be part of the Pro Tour. or, And then there was a huge outcrying. So they decided to change their events and include some Modern events. Mm-hmm. And that was a beneficial thing from the community that they the community rose up and caused change. Yeah. It's very hard for us to do that with a group that isn't in any way monetarily or otherwise invested in how many people are enjoying the format or not. Yeah, exactly. So I agree with that wholeheartedly. <laughs> Someone just Kiwi, came in and Kiwi's Kiwi agrees with it too. Yeah, Kiwi's like, ah, rolls, rolls. <laughs> She's like, I don't know how to get out of this room. Go, Kiwi, go. Okay, so our next question is from at BenjaminCook23. Uh, how do I make fun commander decks without overpowering my playgroup? I have fun, but they hate my decks. Maelstrom Wanderer, Nekusar, etc. I feel like we answered this question, was it last time? Did we? When they said, not this exact question, but, you know, my fun is... Not oh, fun yeah, yeah, for yeah. the rest of the group. Um, I think it's the same thing. And I th- I would encourage you, Benjamin, to branch out from what you normally do and give it a try because that's yeah. one way in your play group is to sort of like it's an olive branch, right? It's like I'll play Maelstrom Wanderer, but then the next day game I'll play, z- you know. Feldegriff. Yeah, exactly. Something that's that's more fun. Um, yeah. And you can build your Nekusar decks in ways that are fun too. Everybody loves playing against mine. You just draw a ton of cards, and then every once in a while, I kill you for it. But every once in a while, you kill me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like a coin flip with that deck. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd say the best way is just, you know, have fun. You can make fun commander decks that aren't overpowered. There's just lots of ways to get. It's the 75% idea that Jason Alt talks about a lot. Um, just look up 75% EDH and start reading some articles and see if that helps you in your, uh, your growth as a commander deck builder. I mean, I'm not a 75% player, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. But I do believe in having a varied power level within the decks that you've got in your library, right? So I've got some very powerful decks, and I have a, you know, I've probably got two uber powerful decks, mm-hmm. and I've probably got six like what Jason would call seventy to eighty percent decks, and then I've got two or three like sort of underpowered. They're more around sixty. Yeah, and that way I have a good mix, and it's like, well, if I come out, and I'll usually choose one of the like seventy to eighty percent decks to play first and if everybody's playing powerful decks i'll grab my powerful deck next. right, right. but if they're not then i'll grab my weaker one and it's just that way i can vary my play you know to what the group is doing mm-hmm. yeah yeah and if you don't have obviously the budget or time to make that many decks then just you just two you just one in two. each category yeah, one in yeah. Each. yeah exactly just try it you know you may not like that either yeah and that's fine but like we always say at some point you're not going to make people like something they don't like so it's going to be incumbent upon you to either compromise or find a new playgroup. Mm-hmm. All right, next question from HD Elaine. Hey, buddy. Um, should you remove a combo piece between games? Is this games? Dragon Week winner? It is Dragon Week winner, HD Elaine. Um, should you remove a combo piece between games your friends seemed displeased? Mana Echoes and Sprout Swarm, for example. It's uh, that With enough creatures out, you just essentially make infinite mana and create a ton of Sprout Swarm cards. This is similar to the last question. I think... Um, I, I I don't know. It's hard to say. <laughs> like how it do you hard to say, how do you yeah. answer this question? Uh, I don't know. You could just choose to sandbag the combo and not play it. You know, and if it comes down to one v one, the game's going along, and you just need like, all right, I need to end the game. Then you can do it, and then no one's going to really blame you for it. So instead of taking the cards out of your deck, just take them out of your hand. 
we were playing at GP San Diego and then we were in a very big group. And at some point I was drawing a lot of cards because I like to do that. And <laughs> uh, I had to discard and I just looked at everyone. I was like, I'm going to discard exquisite uh, blood mm-hmm. because I don't have the combo in this deck and it's just too scary. And I just want you guys to know that like, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's gone. Good you know? political move too. Yeah. That too. And just like, I just, it wasn't that type of game. Yeah. So just do that sometimes, and then people will know, like, you're just not this cutthroat, you know, jerk that's going to, you know. Combo off. Yeah, I don't like to use the word jerk, but you know what I mean. You're just, and that will allow you to do it sometimes, because you can be like, you know, sometimes I don't play it. But if when games get intense, then maybe I'll play it. Yeah. I mean, everything you do in your deck is going to have varying power levels, and no matter what you do, you're guaranteed not going to make everyone happy. It's Unless you're playing straight group hug, but like someone's not going to enjoy what you're doing to some degree, so you just need to find out how to mitigate that. And whether or not what you're doing is really affecting the play group in a negative sense, because if what you're doing is actually making people not want to play as much, then it's definitely something you should consider uh, sandbagging or just thinking about why you're doing it and how much entertainment you're driving out of it and how much you're actually actively hurting or benefiting the playgroup from fear well this is fear fluffy yeah i was gonna say it's f34r underscore fluffy (laughs) but it's fear fluffy if you could have any five cards you don't already have for general commander use what would they be regardless of price all right and we'll, we'll probably do two or three we won't do the full five um guy's cradle uh yeah that's a good one yeah give me that cradle i want chains of mephistopheles oh yeah because i still i know you sent me diagrams i saw <laughs> it i don't remember exactly how it, but whatever i just want to put it out and have arguments about how what yeah, happens yeah that's a good yeah. idea um uh you know i know you want mana crypt uh yeah yeah can i just say five mana crypts just for my five different decks. That's a pretty good one, actually. Yeah. And done. And done. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like it. all the cards here are going to be like Imperial Recruiter, just things that cost a ton of money that I want. Yeah, but you really can't justify spending the price of an entire deck yeah, exactly. on like one card. I want a foil Dak Faden. How about that? Just cause it's I just want a Dak cool. Faden. I don't even own one. How many boxes of Faden? Conspiracy have we opened? I've you pl- haven't opened? I've drafted well, I guess you cons- drafted all of them. So, but, but I still you've opened like I must six have, boxes alone of just drafting, right? I mean, we've drafted it at least twenty times. That's sixty packs. Yeesh. Uh, anyway, oh, that's all right. It sounds about right. You've I mean, p- my chances to get one would have been decent at least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I didn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, last question of the night. At EDH Ghost asks, if your EDH group goes light on removal, do you run more or just jam without it? Do I run more removal? Yeah, if if your group is light in general. Like, you're like, oh, these my friends here don't really like playing pinpoint removal as much. Oh, do you is he asking more? if I play more removal because I need to cover for them not having it? Yeah, or do you just sort of, uh, as he says, just jam without it? Come um, on and jam. Yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't build the same amount of removal that I normally would in a deck, so I wouldn't put in more necessarily to cover for everybody else because I don't want to be solving their problems. What I would do is I would run more cards that require pinpoint removal to deal with. Yeah, there you go. Because I know they don't have it, so I might as well take advantage of Prophet of Crufix, Consecrated Sphinx, and the like. Very good call. I put um, those cards in anyway. Yeah, I would say don't change your deck based on what everyone else around you is playing because there's a chance you could just play with new people and all the alterations you made are not good. Yeah. Um, I, in this case, I, would, I wouldn't go light on removal or run more. I would just be more careful when I play it. That's for sure because you know it's more of a limited quantity in the world. You know. I would also play in a manner. So I, whereas like 
we're oftentimes saying, oh, you got to play your guy at a time when you can protect it. Yeah. Well, if there's not very much removal in your play group, then you know you can just run your guy out there. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. You, your play style can change because of your meta. Well, the, we, we, you, we didn't tell you the group's heavy on counter spells. So. <laughs> but they're light on removal. <laughs> we always encourage playing to your meta. Yeah, agreed. All right, that's going to do it for our Q&A episode part two. We're going to have no end step this week because, well, we've had to record a bunch of episodes tonight, and we're kind of out of ideas for that. I have to eat dinner. I got to go. Yeah. Um, And just a reminder, there are no episodes next week. Correct. Because we're taking a break. We're taking a break. I will be getting back in the country like middle of that week. Yeah, you'll be jet lagged like crazy for sure. So look for more episodes the week after next. Yes. And if you guys are going back to school, uh, congrats on another school year. Hope you guys have an awesome time. Um, Make sure you sharpen your pencils. Tell all your friends about the command zone and how awesome it is. Yeah, play commander at school because it's a super fun way to Not during class necessarily. No, no, definitely not. Yeah. Uh, make sure to check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern, with Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman. They talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. You can find them on rocketjump.com, right next to us, under the podcast tab. And you can also follow them on Twitter, at the MMCast. Our editor for the show is Eli Cuevas. And special thanks, as always, to Jeffrey Palmer for the Living Card animations at Living Cards MTG. He's actually done some new ones recently that are really cool. So. Maybe we'll have to incorporate those? Yeah, we will. He did the Black Lotus, actually. That was oh, cool. yeah. I want that. Oh, wait, that's not legal. I was answering the five cards oh, thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. crap. I would still want it. Sure, I'll take it. Five black lotuses. <laughs> yes. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.